Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> I did get your uh, did get your fact from K-Praise. We're next week we're going to be the ministry of the week at K-Praise. So uh, we're going to be uh, on several times and then I guess Friday I have an interview. So you might listen to K-Praise. I'm sure that's why they're doing this, right? Because then I'll say, we're Ministry of the Week, and all of a sudden people who don't listen to K-Praise are listening. But anyway, I'm excited about this. This is great. So this week, this coming week, Monday, is it Monday through Friday? Monday through Friday. Uh, K-Praise is 12.10. And on Friday, what time is my interview? At 6 6 10 p.m. on Friday, I'll be I'll be getting interviewed, and then they're going to do clips during the week. The various what times do they do that at different times? All right, so exciting. Let's pray here tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, and ask that you would speak to us, Lord, just powerfully, wonderfully from your word, and and be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 5 starts out, therefore. And when there's a therefore, you ask what? What's the therefore, therefore? Because obviously, it's not talking about what's going to be talked about next, but what it's already been talking about. And remember in chapter 4, he makes it emphatically clear, it's not the man who works, but it's the man who believes without works that's declared righteous before God. As he says, those we should have the same faith that Abraham had while still uncircumcised. And we saw how floundered Abraham really did. He struggled, trusting in God, saying, Sarah's my sister. He struggled with saying, man, maybe Sarah's not going to be my wife. And he goes into Hagar. We have faith, don't we? But we still struggle. That's just the bottom line. And we can often question going, gee, I'm struggling with faith, therefore I have no faith. No. Jesus said if you have the size of a piece of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be uprooted and taken and cast into the sea, and it would happen. God's given you a seed of faith. That faith is going to grow. It grows through the word, and it grows through prayer. But it's a growing thing. So if we don't have 100% faith that we'd like to see in our life today, hang in there. Hang in God's Word. Hang in praying in the Holy Spirit. God's going to build up your faith um, as you continue with the Lord. And so we understand that we're saved by our faith and our trust in the Lord. Do you believe that God is the creator of all things? Did God create this world? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who came to this world, who died and rose again? Do you believe that? You are saved. With the heart, man believes unto salvation. It says in Romans 1.12 that as many as believed upon him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You believe in him. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I believe that is Jesus Christ. I believe in God. Then you believe he died and rose again. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. The Bible says, then you're saved. If you believe Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. 
It's that simple. Now, James makes a qualifier in this, in James chapter 2. And he says, now, if you truly have believed in the Lord, it will be seen by a definite change in life. Just like if somebody gets married, you expect them to start living with that person. You expect to see them hanging out. You expect to see checks, you know, their checks from their banks, you know, with the same, you know, two people with the last name on it. If I were to go over to your house and I were to open up the closet, I should see guys' clothes and girls' clothes there. I should see both of your outfits there. It should be evidenced that two people have been joined together. In the same way, if you're riding a bike up here to church every week, and all of a sudden you said, man, I bought a brand new Camaro. Wow, that's great. The next time I see you, I, sh I expect to see you in a Camaro. But if I see you pedaling along on your 10-speed again, I'm going to say, what's up? I'm going to ask you, where's the car? Well, you know, uh, I'd take it back to the dealer. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, that happens with new cars sometimes. Two weeks later, you're still on the bike. Well, where is it at? Or, or, you know, my car is parked back at the garage. You know, I'm just wanting to keep it nice and pretty. You know, I don't want to get it out in the sun too much. And you see what I'm saying? Now, if this went on for a few weeks and I never saw the Camaro, you know what I'm going to conclude? You never bought a Camaro. You just said you did. If you don't see a life surrendered to God, if you don't see a life that the Holy Spirit's come into and your life is now growing in Christ and you see a definite change in your life, guess what? You did not really receive Christ. You did not ask Him to come into your life. You truly did not believe in Him. Because had you done it, we would have seen the change in your life. And so, not, not saying that everybody is going to be looking like a radical Christian in a couple of weeks, that's not true. It just depends where you come from. You know, different people start at different places when they come to Christ. Some people are hooked on drugs. Some people are in the midst of a divorce. Some people are radically struggling in some areas. Other people, they're not Christians, but you might even think they were a Christian, even though they're not. And then they receive the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, you, you see both of these individuals a year later. One of them seems to have soared a lot farther than the other person who's finally just off of drugs and quit stealing. Man, I'm doing great in the Lord. I haven't stolen anything for a month. And this guy's, this other guy's teaching Bible studies. But hey, give it, give it a few years. And you know what you'll see? You'll see God raising them up, and they're equally matured in the Lord. And so, again, don't judge yourself too harshly, saying, gee, I've been a Christian a month and I still don't know the whole Bible. Um, give it two months, and then, boy, you better know it all. So, therefore, didn't know anybody could talk 15 minutes on one word, did you? Gee, therefore, we're by faith, not by our works, but by the work of Christ, we simply believe in Him, We've been justified just as if we have never sinned. It's white as snow, without any spot, any blemish, perfect, in complete righteousness before Jesus Christ. All of this happened by our faith 
our belief, our trust in Him. We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, it's happened. Where now I can think of God and not go, oh, it's like taxes, you know? Oh, I gotta get my taxes done. Oh, I've gotta think about God. I gotta deal with God. Oh, man. Oh, man. I don't know. Maybe I should go to church or something. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man. And you think of God as this negative thing. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. Now you, you see God for who He is. He loves you. He desires you. He, he has joy in you. And oh no, how the Lord wants to see you just running to him like a little child runs to his dad and jumps in his dad's arms. So now we can run and leap into the arms of the Lord. We have peace with God. We know that he delights in everything. He takes joy in it all. What about our sinning? Yeah, he takes joy in forgiving you. I remember a few years back, Cheryl, I think, was up at a women's retreat, and I had the four kids on a Sunday morning trying to get them all ready and and get going out the, the door to church. And I remember getting them all ready, but I wasn't ready. And I said, everybody just freeze. Stay right there. Just everybody sit on the steps. Don't move. It had been raining the night before, and outside our flower bed was just completely mud. In our front yard, there wasn't grass in one section. It was just mud. And I went up. I was upstairs trying to get dressed. I said, Tracy went outside, you know, my youngest at that time, a couple years old. No, don't let him go outside. And I came downstairs, and mud from head to toe. He had fallen in, and then he was just playing in it. And I thought... You know, he, I really don't need four kids anyway. Three is enough. <laughs> I picked him up and I just threw him in the trash can. And we went to church. Of course I didn't do that. But yet, people have that concept about God. Man, I've just screwed up. And, you know, they just feel God grabbing him by the leg and just sort of dangle him over the trash can and plop. You know, forget you. I've got other Christians I can, you know, love. Forget you. It's not that way. I mean, at the time, I wasn't ecstatic over it. But I washed him off, cleaned him up, put some new clothes on, and we made it. And of course, now we all laugh about it. It's just funny, you know. You get to clean up the little kids, all muddy and trying to get, you know, it's funny. In the same way, God delights in cleaning you up. God delights on, you know, when the kids fall. They come in, you know, and they're going, oh, I'm dying. You know, you think their leg chopped off, and you, and you look down there, and there's this little scratch on their knee. Man, i, I got to have a Band-Aid, you know. They still think Band-Aids cure things. You know, i got to have a Band-Aid, you know. Come on in here, man. I'll get pick one out. You can have your own, you know, there. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, good pick, you know. There's your Band-Aid. Here you go. Give me a kiss. A little pray for it. Pray for you. Okay, go on out and play. God loves it. We slip. We fall. God kisses our little owie, and we just get back up. The righteous man falls seven times, and he also gets up seven times. Why? Because he trusts in the goodness of God that we now have peace with him. Interesting story. Did you know they discovered a man on a remote island 
1972, a Japanese fellow who still believed that we were at war. They stuck him over on this island to defend this island that no one cared about. The war was over, and no one ever got to him to tell him the war was over. And he's there digging trenches and building fortifications and... He's got this whole island, you know, scoped out and rigged. You know, he's going to stand his position. You know, all that time wasted. I mean, he could have he could have been the president of Toyota by then, you know. He could have already been making millions, but here he is out on some remote. There's, there's Christians like that that need to wake up. You're no longer at war with God. You are at peace with God. God is on your side. We're going to get to Romans chapter 8. If God's for us, who can be against us? It's like, who cares? <laughs> who cares against you? If I have God for me, that's all I need is Him. I have His friendship. I really don't need anybody else's. If I have His favor, I don't really need anybody else's favor. If I have His blessing, I don't really need anybody else's blessing. You think about it. You got God. You've got everything. Maybe not momentary comfort upon this earth. I don't have a wife. I don't have a husband. Oh well, for a second of time you don't have somebody in your life. You're going to have a husband for all of eternity in Christ. If I had a nickel for everybody I has told me, I wish I was single again, I would be a rich man. Don't look at the grass. It's not greener on the other side. It's You get to the other side, and the other side's greener, you know. Oh, to be married. Oh, look at that grass, the married grass over there. Oh, wow. And you get over there going, oh, man, look at that grass on the single side. Oh, man, that is so nice over there. It, it always looks, I don't know why that, just that fence, somehow, it's an optical illusion, but it's always greener on the other side of the fence. Just trust in the Lord. You've got Him. You're now at peace with Him. It's never going to go bad. As we learned earlier in Romans chapter 4, He's given us of His Spirit that it might be a guarantee. You can't add to salvation. You can't take away salvation. God has given it to you as a gift. Nothing is going to come against it. Nothing is strong enough to take away the love for which God has for you. Height, depth, principalities, supernatural beings, earthly beings, things in the past, things in the present, things in the future. Romans chapter 8 tells us none of it. Oh man, I'm really still bummed about what happened a few years back. Things in the past, Romans 8 says, can't separate you from the love of God. Presently, I'm really struggling in some areas of my life. Presently, Romans chapter 8 says, cannot separate you from the love of God. What if in the future I begin to have these... Nothing in the future is going to separate you from the love of God. Nothing is going to take the place between you and the Lord. And so we have that great faith. We've been justified by faith. We have peace. We finally realize God's joy towards you. Do you know the Bible says 
that when somebody who's been lost is now found, whether that's a non-Christian getting saved or a Christian who's been struggling and gets their life right with the Lord, gets back on the narrow road that leads to life, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. Isn't that radical? Think about that. All of heaven knows about you, and they're having this party over you. Walking now straight on this earth with the Lord. Isn't that radical? It is such a powerful thing. For us to walk with God in this weak, sinful flesh, but yet to be fighting the devil. How many angels in heaven would love to have that opportunity? Not only do we get to fight the devil and win, but we get to deny ourselves in this human flesh. What a, what a great thing. You know, you could go up to somebody in a marathon and pull up next to them on your motorcycle going, now why are you running again when you could ride a motorcycle? You know, I, I could get on this bike and I could go that 24 miles in like 16 minutes. Jump on. Why are you going to do this in four hours? Why would man want to run? Why would man want to climb up a mountain? when he could just take the tram <laughs> to the top. God knows that in every single one of us is the desire to fight against whatever that challenge is and to conquer it. It's just, it's a great feeling, isn't it? You're climbing up that mountain and every, all your muscles are sore. You're getting cramps in your calves. Your back hurts, you're thirsty, you're exhausted. But you get to the top of that mountain and wow, you can see off into the future, or the future, off into the distance. That's the crystal ball you see if you know. You see off into the distance. You take a couple of good breaths and go, let's go back down. But it's just the joy of being able to conquer that mountain. In the same way, think about the joy we have. And just to say to this flesh, shut up, you're going to serve the Lord. To beat our body into subjection that we might serve God. What a great joy that is for us, isn't it? To be able to say, man, I beat my body into subjection and I was in the Word today. I was able to seek the Lord today in prayer. You know, God graced me and I was able to pray for an entire hour that God would just fill my heart with a greater intensity and a desire for Him. And oh, how it, the missionaries came to mind. And oh, I had such a burden for those missionaries. I've never had a burden for such people before, but I prayed for that country that I've never been in before. God just empowering you with the ability to care, for compassion, to seek Him concerning spiritual things. What a radical work God can do in this human flesh. So first of all, we've been justified by faith. It gives us a peace with the Lord. Second of all, being justified by faith, it gives us through him also access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have peace with God, and now we have access where? Right into that very throne room of grace, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4 into which we stand. I can now come before God at any point in time. 
True story. There was a man who was in a small town. And he heard that a lawyer wanted to see him. He was confident that he was going to be handed um, papers to be sued by another guy in town over a business deal. Every time he saw that lawyer coming, he dodged the lawyer. The man was able to get away from the lawyer. He mailed him things. He returned. He, he wouldn't sign for him. He would send him back, return to sender, wrong address. He, people, after a while, people would say, here comes the lawyer, better run, you know. And, and, and he was able to dodge this guy for years. And now this guy's an old man. And he's dying in the hospital. And up comes in the bed next to him this lawyer. And he looked at the guy and, and he started laughing at the lawyer. <laughs> you know, go ahead and serve those papers now. It won't do any good. I'm, I've only got a, a few weeks to live. You know, I'm dying. And the lawyer looked at him going, you know what? Had nothing to do with being sued. You had inherited $10 million couldn't get it to him. Send the checks back. Often, I think we live on crumbs when we could be sitting at the table feasting with the King of Kings. So often we strive about things when we could be praying about things. So often we work it out in our own understanding and try to finagle it and figure it all out. Neat story happened today. We're dealing with the painting contractor and and uh, great guy. But there are some extras that we had and he told us what he thought the price would be. And I was talking with Wes today and I, and we, we came up with a sum we thought it should be. It was about half of what he was wanting because of some things we had been, a lot of work we had been doing. And so tonight we talked just before I came over here and he said, um, by the way, you know, can I get a check? And I said, well, you know, I, I can set this amount. We're going to have to talk about the other later. He goes, you know, here's what I'm thinking what it should be. To the penny, what me and Wes had talked about today. All afternoon, I was thinking, now I'm going to have to deal with this guy. I'm going to have to, you know, put on my business hat and say, okay, look here. You know, and I just been praying about it this afternoon going, God, you know, this is what I think is fair. Here's the reasoning. He gave me the same exact reasoning how he came with his figure. Right before I came over here tonight, I'm just like going, is God's hand <laughs> upon Calvary Chapel San Diego or what? Is God, I mean, is God good or what? I mean, no finagling, no fight. Just the Lord, prayer, God just causing things to work out. But how many times, you know, we strive, we fuss, we fight, when all we have to do is just go right to Dad and just say, God, just, we trust you to work this out, however you want it to work out. You know, probably at least once a week for the last month, I've mentioned to Wes, you know, that downstairs is so trashed. We've been here three years. We're here six in the morning till 10 almost every single day and night of the week. The wallpaper's ripped. The borders are coming down. 
The carpet looks like it's had a hundred years wear on it. Every wall looks basically not that good. We repainted a little bit here and there. I said, man, we have to completely overhaul that entire downstairs. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't, we don't have time to do it. We don't, there's not a window of opportunity. And then one of, one of the Lord's angels puts a hole <laughs> in our hot water heater, floods the entire downstairs. And there's some cabinets we've been wanting to build as well. And it looks like we'll have enough money to even build the cabinets. Not only are we going to have brand new carpet, brand new wallpaper, brand new paint, brand new trim. Not only were we able to paint the ceilings, but we're going to have some extra money, it looks like, possibly to uh, build the cabinets we've been wanting to build as well. It'll look better than ever. God knows. It's just amazing how God, as we're just crying out to Him, Lord, we desire you. We want you. What do you have? But oh, how we need to learn to open that door, to get that key, take that lock, and go into the very throne room of God, to go into his presence, and to cast these cares upon him. I love it there in Peter. It says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Man, we just got to chuck them. Get rid of those things. Ugh. Psalms 37 says, roll your burdens upon the Lord. Is literally the word. Roll them. Like they would carry the hay. They would have it in stacks, big rolls. And so one man would carry it a distance, and then he would roll it upon the other guy, and then he would carry it a distance, and roll it upon the other guy, and he would carry it. In the same way, we've got to let go and roll it upon the Lord. God rejoices in me. He rejoices in every one of you. His plans for you are good and not evil to give you a hope in a future. Open your mouth wide and he will fill it. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God has desired to do in your life. It's radical. God's favor is so much upon us. His joy is you and how he wants our joy to be him. We have a peace with God. Now we need to take an advantage of that. Go right in and just say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you would, and whatever your heart's desires may be. Maybe it's just to have a very something very minute. Maybe it's just a, some shoestrings for your shoes. You know how many people go without shoestrings for their shoes? They keep tying that thing and it breaks and they've, you know, God, i got to get over to that store and buy some new shoestrings. And six months later, they're still breaking the shoestring. Why? You need God's grace to go buy shoestrings. You need God's strength to go buy shoestrings. It's true. You need God's help for everything. You can pray about everything. Lord, I just ask you to help me to remember to buy shoestrings. And he'll do it. You can't get out of bed in the morning without God's strength, without His grace, at least not fruitfully, not in the Word, not in prayer. Come into that access. Receive by faith that grace, that strength, that might, that forgiveness, whatever it is you need. The word grace is God's empowerment, whatever it is. Let God empower you for your life. And this is what we stand in, is God's enablement. That's how we got saved, was by His work. That's how you stay walking with Him, is by His work. And then finally in verse 2, and rejoice 
in the hope of the glory of God. There we got it. We have peace. Justification with God by faith brings peace. It brings access. And it brings rejoicing. What? In the hope of the glory of God. We know, but in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be in a brand new body. It's just sort of the cure-all. Man, this thing's not working. Doesn't matter, it's all going to burn. <laughs> Gee, my back is killing me. Oh, so what? Hang in there. You're going to get a new one. No time at all. It, it doesn't really matter what happens in this moment, this second, this vapor of time upon earth. There's one simple answer. It's not going to last. Hang in there. It's not going to last. We're going to be with the Lord in our brand new body, seated in heavenly places with him for all of eternity. And how we need to put our mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Did you see that in the newspaper just about a month and a half ago? A lady and her daughter are on the freeway. The lady is driving. She's picked up her daughter from high school. Driving down the freeway, a guy cuts her off. Gets in front of her on the freeway, you know. It's probably stop traffic in L.A. anyway. And she's thinking, man, I'm supposed to be in that car slot where that car in front of me's at. And, and she can't get past it. She starts braking and speeding and braking and speeding, trying to get around. And this goes on for several miles. Clearly, the driver in front of her knows she's furious. Everybody around knows she's furious. She's trying to cut around. She can't get around. So finally, when the opportunity arises, she just pulls over somehow into the oncoming traffic. Whether they got off the freeway, I think they took an exit, which was still sort of a freeway. But you could get over, and she actually went over on the other side where the cars are coming in the other direction. Of course, you can imagine what happened. Immediate impact, her and her daughter both were killed. And the police officer just said, when people are driving on the freeways, they got to realize you're going to get home. <laughs> and maybe one minute later, maybe 30 seconds later, it may be 10 minutes later, but you're, just, everybody needs to hang tight and just, you're going to get there. But it's so easy in our minds to think, I got to get, there, you know, and we, we get so earthly perspective that we, we do exactly that thing. We get angry, we get frustrated, just take it in our own hands and wham. I'm going to make it happen. And then comes the head-on collisions. Life is not that serious. There's times that you've got to say to yourself, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's just money. It doesn't matter. It's just the guy is not saved, or if he's saved, he's being a jerk. It doesn't matter that I'm not getting ahead at work. It doesn't matter that I've got to work on my car every day to get it started in the morning. It, it doesn't really matter. Because in a moment, I'm going to be with the Lord for all of eternity. And we have to constantly keep reminding ourselves that, yes, we have the most important thing, peace with God. Secondly, I can just go right into this throne room and receive all the strength, all the forgiveness, all the mercy, all the help I need for whatever I need. And thirdly, I just need to rejoice that I'm going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. 
as J. Vernon McGee used to always say, to be above with the saints I love, oh, that will be glory. To live below with the saints I know, that's another story. <laughs> so, hang in there. You're going to be above with the saints you love. But right now, you just got to sort of hang in there with the other story right now. But rejoice. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Just rejoice in God. Well, I'm going through really tough times. It's easy for you to say, Brian, you're healthy. I just heard from the doctor today, I have cancer. James chapter 1 says, take joy in all the trials. You don't understand, I got cancer. God could cure it, or maybe it'll be your ticket home. It's causing me pain, only for a second. Life's but a vapor. Well, I think this is just horrible. I got cancer. Hey, if you're earthly-minded, it's devastating because this is it. But if you're living for eternity, whether you're in eternity in an earth suit or whether you're in eternity in a heavenly suit, you are eternal right now. You can never die. But I want to live longer on the earth. Well, you know, that's really the Lord's decision. He knows how long you can live on earth and be fruitful. Proverbs says, there Solomon said, Lord, don't let me be so rich that I would think I don't have no need of you. He saw the rich people fill. They don't feel a need for God. Money can buy your way just about out of anything. It's worked for Bill Clinton all these years. <laughs> but hey, I understand that there's an economy, there's an amount of money I can handle and still have my heart right with you. Don't give me a penny more than that. In the same way, Hezekiah, remember he had a sickness. And Hezekiah is laying there in his bed and Isaiah comes in and, and Hezekiah says, what does the Lord say? And Isaiah says, get your household in order, you're going home. And Hezekiah rolled over and put his face to the wall and he said, this isn't fair. I've done nothing but serve the Lord perfectly all my life. And it was true. He had been a faithful king right on. Never had he deviated, but total faith and trust in the Lord. I want to live longer. And in his heart, he had a number. I believe that number was 15. 15 more years. Isaiah turned around and came back and said, Hezekiah, you're going to live 15 more years. There's going to be nothing but peace in your time. There will never be war, and you will prosper in those 15 years. And right then, the Lord gave Isaiah supernaturally an antidote. You can read about it in Isaiah. It was a fig cake, and it was a, a, a pack, and he packed it on the sores. And Hezekiah was healed, supernaturally. Soon as he was well, he called to the kings of Babylon. They had sent him get well cards. It was just a manipulation. They didn't give a rip about Israel. But Hezekiah is thinking, I'm always going to have prosperity. I'm always going to have peace. There's not going to be any war. It doesn't matter. And he called the king of Babylon up and said, come on down here. 
let's, let's hang out at my place for a while. And, and he stayed there in Hezekiah's palace, and Hezekiah showed him everything, all of the armaments, all the secret places, all the wealth of Israel, everything that this king shouldn't have known nothing about. And Isaiah came into Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, what have you been doing? I'll just show the king of Babylon around. What did you show him? Everything. Oh, Hezekiah. Because you've done this, the country is going to be destroyed. Your own children are going to be taken away captive as slaves. Hezekiah said, God said in my 15 years, I'm going to have nothing but peace and prosperity. What do I care? That's what he said. That was his attitude. We had never saw that in Hezekiah. That had never been revealed out of his life. During that 15 years, he had a son by the name of Manasseh. This man was so wicked. He was the wickedest king that Judah ever had. He was so wicked that he took the prophet Isaiah and had him sawn in two, tradition tells us. Had him put to death. And he took the entire country into pagan worship. If you could go back and find Hezekiah and say, do you want to die or continue to live that 15 years knowing what you know now? I'll guarantee you he said, I just want to go home. I, I messed everything up in that 15 years. You know how long I want to live? The exact amount of time God wants me to live. Not a second more. Remember back in Genesis, man kept messing up the longer he lived. Finally, God said, your days will be no more than 120 it seemed like the longer they lived, the deeper they dug themselves into trouble. And so in the same way, it's God's gift that man doesn't live for hundreds of years. It's God's gift that he'll take you home when he wants to take you home. However he wants to take you home, that's fine. Elijah was a man who was a prophet who healed all kinds of diseases and raised the dead. But you know how Elijah died? The Bible says he died of an illness. Now, you say, hold it. The guy raised people from the dead. He healed all kinds of diseases, including leprosy, which the only other person that reported of doing that is Jesus Christ himself. But yet he dies of an illness. Now, that's not the end of the story. Because they bury Elijah, and then you know what happens after this? Some band of men are coming through, some warriors, and they're taking their wounded friend along with them. And they finally get to the graveyard. They're getting ready to dig a hole and bury their friend. And then they see the enemy coming, and they say, just throw him in already a tomb that's there. They're able to lift off that heavy limestone tomb, not knowing it was Elisha's. They throw this dead man down into the tomb, hits the bones of Elisha, and immediately the man raises from the dead. What's the Bible telling us? that Elijah didn't die of an illness because there wasn't power. There isn't enough power in dim bones to raise the dead. <laughs> Elijah died of an illness because that was just God's will. It had nothing to do about his spiritual state. It had nothing to do about the power or faith. It just had to do with this is God's timing and this is the way. And you know what? There's some things in my life I want to see perfected before I die. And if it has to come by me being in a sick bed for six months, 
with pain racked in my body, crying out to God like I've never cried out before, to God to shape that character in me, and only to shape it in me long enough before I breathe my, breath, my last breath and die, I say, let thy will be done. Don't spare me, God. Do whatever it takes. I don't care whatever pain or suffering or grief or hardship. All I want is to awaken in thy likeness. Rejoice, man. In a second, I guarantee it, in a second, we're going to be all sitting around in heaven going, Remember, Brian, you said we were going to be here in a second. It was a second. I remember as a little kid just trying to contemplate being in high school. It seems like yesterday I'd see my older sister come home with these big giant high school books and I'd think, high school, being with all those big kids and having those big books. I, I can't imagine how anybody could read that book in a lifetime. And, and about the same time I finally began to figure it out, I almost got a high school kid myself. Life's but a vapor, man. You, therefore, have been justified, just as if you've never made one mistake in your entire life. Perfect, righteous, holy before God. What's that give you? Peace with God. It gives you access into that grace, all the strength, all the power, all the forgiveness, all the mercy, whatever it is you need, God is there to meet that need. And we have joy and rejoicing knowing that we're gonna be in a brand new body, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and with all kinds of wonderful people, unlike you know. <laughs> people who are perfectly patient, people that are perfectly kind, people that are perfectly loving all the time. It's going to happen very, very soon. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that you've done a great and an awesome work in and through our lives. And Lord, you continually blow our minds with your goodness. What is man that thou art mindful of man? But not only have you thought of us, you've actually put your Holy Spirit within us. Not only have you put your Holy Spirit, but you've given us the same inheritance as Jesus Christ to sit in heavenly places with God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. We cannot wait till that time comes. But Lord, we love the climb. We love the, the opportunity right now to deny ourselves daily and to take up a cross and follow you. We feel the pain in our legs and the, our back hurts and we often want to lust, but yet we know we gotta beat that body into subjection. We often wanna covet, but we have to beat that body into subjection. We often want to go the way of the flesh like the world, but Lord, we don't want that. We want for a time to keep climbing even though our body says, turn around and go back down the hill, we just keep climbing. Saying, Lord, give us the grace to endure the pain. Give us the grace to deny ourselves and to keep listening to you and following you and hearing your voice. Strengthen us tonight through your word. Thank you for the salvation we have. Thank you for the great joy and rejoicing we have knowing you are our God. Oh, I can practically see your smiling face even now. I can almost feel the warmth of your arms and the joy and the shininess and the brightness and the beauty of heaven. 
Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.